ladies and gentlemen, now hosting the Rizzo cast, put your hands together for Steven Rizzotto. All right, what's going on, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 119. No, 120. We were just talking about this, and I screwed it up. 120 of RizzoCast. I'm Steven Risotto, and today we are joined by a very special guest. Uh, and this guy is a very special guest. It is Justice De Los Santos. He is the Pittsburgh Pirates beat reporter for MLB.com and a Bay Area native repping the Bay. Uh, Justice joins the show. Justice, how you doing? Welcome. I'm doing well, but you was telling me about some of the guests that you had on right before this, and I don't, you know, let's let's give them their flowers. I'm just I'm just some Filipino kid from the Bay. That's all I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, your rookie year this year, man, we'll get into that uh, a little bit coming up here, but um, I mean, what is this time usually like for you? Because there's no baseball going on right now. The postseason just kind of ended. The big free agents haven't really started signing yet. It's kind of like that middle weird time before the holidays and then stuff will start to fall in just a bit. But what is this, I mean, time like for you? What, what have you been up to lately? Taking care of my nieces. Honestly, I got I got to pick up one of them from school in about an hour. It's a short day. I got to pick up the other one at like three. And then I think one of them has dance practice, something like that. But um, I flew back to, to California about a couple of weeks ago. So I've just been out here getting to spend a lot of time with friends and family that I haven't seen that much since being in Pittsburgh. But in terms of kind of the workflow, now that we're in December, now that we're officially in the offseason, the workflow is starting to pick up a little bit, especially with the Pirates. Um, we had um, the guys that had to be put on the 40-man roster yesterday for the Rule 5 protection. There was some notable guys put on, some notable guys left off. Um, we'll have the non-tender deadline on Friday. A couple guys that could potentially be non-tendered. Uh, we had the Pirates acquiring G-Man Choi last Friday, their first big move of the offseason. And so while I'm not at the ballpark every day, not kind of going through that nine or eight, nine month grind that is, you know, being at a ballpark damn near every day. It is there is still work to do, but I have had the opportunity after my rookie season to, you know, take that step back, catch my breath, reflect and you know, see what I can do to, you know, keep it pushing, keeping keep improving, keep getting better. Yeah, you mentioned the uh the rule five protection and do you like writing you know transaction articles like that like when a guy gets claimed off waivers do you go let's go i'm writing this or do you go oh man you know another yeah i've never even heard of this guy he's you know played 50 games in double a so far and i got to write about him being added to the 40-man roster so is there kind of like a like a like a not discomfort but just like you know annoyance with some transactional moves that you have to write about i would be lying if i said it, it wasn't a little bit monotonous <laughs> the pirates did employ i think it was i want to say it was 68 players this year and so that lends itself to having a lot of transactions but on the flip side with it being a team like the pirates i think we had at least a dozen if not more major league debuts so that's a different type of transaction that you're writing but I don't find it all that monotonous in that it is really fun to try to, you know, think, you know, try to get into the mind of a front office executive and think, you know, what goes in this process. And when some of the guys, when you really dig deep into them, like there's interesting stories out there. Like one of the guys who was acquired 
uh, not via a waiver claim, but um, via trade for cash was Manny Banuelos. And I wrote a story on him earlier this year. And when you really dive into his story, like he was once a, a top prospect in the Yankee system. Mariano Rivera called him the best pitching prospect he'd ever seen. Goes through a bunch of injuries, bounces from team to team, pitches in Korea, pitches in Mexico, and then ends up back in the major leagues. And so not every story is kind of going to be the, the to that. It, I don't know if extreme is the right word. So to say, but you do kind of get into see how these guys have ended up where they are and kind of the trajectory that they take. So it is um, it's not exactly the the type of story where I'm going to be, you know, flexing my creative muscles the most. But it is interesting to kind of dive in and see what a guy's past has been and kind of discover some guys that you may have not known otherwise, because, you know, while I am consuming baseball media every day, there are too many players to, to count and there, it feels like there's I'm learning one every day. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And I mean, let, let's get into the Pirates for a second. I mean, they finish their second straight 100 loss season. They had a, I believe, around an $85 million payroll in 2022. Is there anything the baseball world should expect for them in free agency? And I guess maybe even on the trade market come this offseason, will they spend money? In, in terms of the trade, I think the one name that everybody kind of you know, floats around when it comes to the Pirates, of course, is Brian Reynolds, who to kind of give this the Bay Area twist, of course, was originally a giant and was in that Andrew McCutcheon trade a couple of years ago, which I don't think we discuss enough in terms of a kind of being a lopsided deal, like one of the more lopsided deals of the past decade. Um, I don't have the, you know, inclination that he's going to be dealt. I think, you know, maybe if things unfold a certain type of way in 2023, where the, the trajectories aren't lining up, where the timelines might be lining up, maybe there's kind of a shift. But in terms of the trade market, I would kind of expect Brian Reynolds to be the opening day left fielder or center fielder with the Pirates going forward. In terms of free agency, their biggest area of need right now is uh, catcher. And with the, with the Rule 5 having taken place yesterday, they're left with two catchers on their 40-man roster, uh, Ali Sanchez and Andy Rodriguez, who... I could talk about Andy Rodriguez for about 15 minutes and the season that he just had, but between the two of them, that's only seven games of major league experience. All of them are going to Sanchez. And so that's one of the markets that I would expect the pirates to be exploring specifically veteran catchers to lead this very young staff that I would imagine is going to continue to get younger over the course of the season. Um, in terms of the, the options that are available, Roberto Sanchez is the one that's going to, or not Roberto Sanchez, Roberto Perez, rather. That's the name that's going to come up a lot. He signed with the Pirates last year, only played 21 games after suffering, um, I think it was a hamstring strain, whatever it was, that resulted in him missing the remainder of the season. And I think he's only played like 91 games over the last three years. But when you hear a lot of the players and the coaches and specifically the pitchers talking about what Perez was to that team. You kind of get an idea of how big of an influence he was. He was part of those Cleveland teams when they had their nucleus of pitchers going on. So he knows how to handle that caliber, knows how to rear them in. Another interesting name might be Austin Hedges kind of in that mold too of being a really well-respected catcher. And then this is just kind of me, you know, thinking of guys um, that they might go after. And there's a couple other names that you can throw out there, but I think if the Pirates were going to make any type of, I, I think their biggest move as of right now would probably be addressing that, you know, need behind the plate because as much as fans are clamoring for Andy Rodriguez, I don't think that, you know, that's going to be the guy come opening day. I think, and if they, especially if they could find a bridge too, that kind of serves 
you know, as Andy Rodriguez, as well as Henry Davis kind of make their way along, you can find that veteran catcher helps them, you know, come into their own as major league catchers, and then you can kind of pass the torch from there. So I think that's the, that's the one move, or that's the kind of area in particular that the pirates uh, will be looking at. And then pitching, you can never have enough. pitching. They have a lot of pitching prospects, but specifically in the bullpen, it doesn't matter if you're the uh, reigning world champions, or if you're the worst team in baseball, you can never have enough pitching. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you heard it here first, Wilson Contreras to Pittsburgh. No, just kidding. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, though, about uh, O'Neill Cruz, because, you know, he's the the six, seven shortstop for those that don't know, who has a really strong arm. I mean, we saw him st- uh, just destroy StatCast last year. Really strong arm raw power i think he was sixth in no rookie of the year voting just the other day and seems like he has like the makings of being a really nice player for the pirates these pirates teams moving forward what was kind of your impressions of seeing o'neill cruz during his rookie year i feel like a month into covering o'neill cruz at the major league level i wanted to like mute his name on twitter like every time that every time that i tweeted it i wanted to mute it because it was it was polarizing to the point of annoyance and not even in like a, a creative way like like every time O'Neill Cruz would do anything of substance like I remember the day that he broke the record for the hardest hit ball in the stack ass area 122.4 mile per hour just rocket off the Clemente wall which side note I actually was not covering that day I knew that I had the feeling that like the one day that I wasn't covering the day that he broke the record for the hardest stone and field assist too so I don't know if there's an angle there, but I remember that afternoon though, tweeting out like the pirates top 10 exit velocities of that, of the season. And they were all cruising. They were all just incredible. Like, Oh my God, like this guy can like just do things that normal human beings cannot do in terms of hitting a baseball. And all I'm seeing under it is he's not even, he's hitting one, whatever his strikeout rate is this. It doesn't matter how hard you can hit the ball. And it was just a lot of people that were just completely missing the point. It's the fact that this dude, like, and I've seen that video that floated around was like faster than Tyreek Hill hits it harder than Stanton. However, like throws the ball harder than whatever, however, whatever that video described. But I think the one thing that really got lost with Cruz, especially considering how much hype he generated early, was that as the season went on, he got a lot better. And if you really dive into the numbers, I've written about this before, is, you know, the amount of pitches outside of the zone that he was swinging at, he drastically reduced that. His offense and his strikeout rate took a little bit of a cut as a result of that. His walk rate increased as he went along. And you mix those together and he was playing a lot better. And if you kind of look at his last month month and a half maybe even two months like that was the glimpse of the guy that a lot of people were hyped and I think just the slow start and you know the inability to play that full season and have that full season's worth of numbers and you know him ending the season I think like a 294 on base like looking at all those things kind of clouded people's judgment but if you kind of take a little bit of a deeper dive and see like this guy can do things that you know 99.9 percent of baseball players to ever walk this earth have never done you see those tools and you see them in person and you get super excited and, you know, just watching him run the bases. Like once he gets into a full stride, it is absolutely mm. insane. And, you know, there, there are things that, that need to be cleaned up. We, I mentioned the discipline um, at the plate, you know, you know, you always want to reduce the strikeout rate. You want to up the walk rate. The defense is probably the more polarizing, even more polarizing than the offense. 
because people will look at, oh, he's got the rocket arm, he's got the athleticism. But if you look at defensive runs saved and outs above average, those are those areas where you kind of go and say, you know, the question naturally comes up is, is he a long-term fit at shortstop? Could he be moved to the outfield? But it's really not unprecedented at all for someone to improve defensively. And we had talked with general manager Mitch Sherrington about this after the season. And he said a lot of that just comes kind of comes down to the work. And, you know, Sherrington isn't really one to, you know, make references, but he brought up Marcus Semyon. As you know, Marcus Semyon was just his first couple of years in the league. He was not good. And, you know, a couple of years later, he's getting gold glove award votes. And same thing with Kevin Newman, which in, you know, prior to 20, you know, this is a more of a pirate centric example, but, you know, prior to 2021, his biggest thing was, you know, wanting to improve on defensive on the defensive end. And while his 2021 offensively was just not great, you know, he really made strides as a defender. And those are things that are possible to happen. And so that will, those will be the things to watch for him next year. Just what does he look like over the course of a full season? Can he be that 30 homer, 20 stolen base, 100 RBI guy? I'm not really one to get enamored with RBIs, but he was like on pace for 101 over a full season. So it's it's it was interesting to just, it was fun to watch him slowly put things together. It was not fun to have to see my mentions every time <laughs> I tweeted about him. Hopefully that'll change next year, but I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting bunch. Yeah, not even no, just Pirates Twitter, baseball Twitter is all. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought he had a good year. I mean, he had a 744 OPS. And for a guy that, you know, strikes out like 35% of the time, there's definitely some room to grow there. And if he lowers that a little bit, I think he's just I think he's just going to be a monster. And I, I hate that when, you know, a guy automatically gets drafted and brought up to the big leagues. You know, on draft night, we hear, can he stick at shortstop? Can he stick in center field? Does he have to move to a corner? Just let him play. You know, I think they'll figure it out. You know, just I, I want to see O'Neill Cruz. I think a lot of people want to keep seeing O'Neill Cruz at shortstop. And, you know, if there comes a point where he's absurdly costing runs at shortstop, then, yeah, maybe you have to make a decision. But let's keep seeing it for a little longer. Um, but, yeah, no, definitely expect him to be a monster. Um, and I, I could be wrong on this, Justice, but, you know, I've seen multiple uh, people, you know, all over, you know, either Pirates fans or baseball fans in general that are saying, oh, the Nutting family has to sell the team. You know, and after being there for for one year, I'm sure you got a pretty good sense of the uh, the Pittsburgh baseball fan. And so, tell me a little bit about the Pittsburgh baseball fan, their style. You know, there there may be not many showing up to the ballpark right now because they're losing, but I'm sure that there's some passion there. Am I right about that? They're a very passionate bunch, and you know, I'm not as you know, admittedly, I'm not as well versed into the you know, the main people of Pirates Twitter. I've gotten to know a couple. Um, I'm trying to get to know a couple while I'm here. And so I'm just not this complete, like, outcast. It's like, who's this kid that rolled in from California and is now, like, <laughs> now trying to be the authority on the Pirates. But I've gotten to meet a couple, mainly in, like, the digital sphere. But they are a very passionate bunch. And, you know, kind of with any fan base, they're the few that are a, a little more rational. Um I have learned, I'm not going to say any names, but I have learned that there's um kind of some, I don't want to label them as like enemies, but there are definitely a couple names that pop out where I see their, I see their tweets and I'm like, that is a, that's interesting. And interesting doesn't always necessarily have to correlate with being good. 
So, <laughs> but I would say the majority of them, they've been very welcoming. And I'm always, it always warms my heart whenever I post my post game videos specifically. And I get those comments that saying like the team's not doing well right now, but these post game videos like keep me coming back. So it's been a very supportive bunch. I will say that it's a lot more positivity than negativity that's been sent my way but i don't know maybe if i start getting into the five figures of followers that might change <laughs> i'm not there yet i'm like halfway there but if, if i start getting there it might change a little bit yeah pretty soon and i love those post game videos i mean you've done them since like day one maybe there's a few a few gaps here and there where you take some time off but they're awesome i mean you break down the game and like you know you're you're with your twist on some things so how did making those videos kind of come about was there like something that happened because i know in spring training they go all the way back to spring training i remember seeing you in like a hawaiian shirt with the big ass <laughs> microphone in front of the camera and talking about the pirates in in florida so i mean when did those videos come about was that like a you thing that you decided to do and it just kind of stuck or uh tell me a little bit about that oh man i know exactly what shirt you're talking about and it's actually <laughs> I'm, I'm forgetting who sent me who like replied to this or who quote tweeted it but someone that i follow <laughs> It was like, it's a good, it's a good friend of mine. And he was like, um, why do you look like you MC illegal drag races on the weekends? <laughs> I was wearing, I lost my, my glasses that I would like those rectangular ones. I lost them, but so I don't have them, but like it, it, it I'll try to dig that scrap. But uh, in terms of doing the videos, you know, it's something like, you know, being in front of a microphone, being in front of a camera, it's always something that I felt kind of comfortable with and, you know, in a past life, I podcasted a lot when I was like with the Daily Cal and during the pandemic, I podcasted a lot. And I will say like, I used to back in, back in 2020, like I, I, I'd made videos before, like kind of like vlog style videos, but like in 2020, like just out of boredom, like I made like a lot of vlog style videos. I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure you could still find them if you wanted to, but I always found like that process super enjoyable. And it's, you know, for me personally, when I'm on Twitter, like, you know, I try to, <laughs> I try to, you know, limit my tweets. I know I can get my tweets off if I want to, but I, I try to limit them. I try to make them kind of count. And so I don't try to express my personality as um, in my tweets as much as I used to. Cause I think, you know, there's that whole thing of like, you gotta be a brand, you gotta show personality, like yada, yada, yada. And sometimes that can come off as, you know, you trying a little too hard. I'm not like trying to discourage anyone from doing that, but that's just how I feel personally whenever I kind of do it. And so with me for the videos, it was that opportunity to show off my personality a little bit, an opportunity to present information in a different way. Maybe you didn't read any of the articles, but it's like, hey, let me pop on, you know, one of Justice's post-game videos and see what was the happenings of today. So just another way to, you know, present information, just another way for me to, for, for me to allow myself to familiarize myself with the fan base a little more and it's, it's just a lot of fun to do it's just like another creative medium and you know I, I invested in a new laptop recently I was like so I was able to get Premiere Pro back which means I'm able to do a Premiere Pro things I don't do it as much but like you know making little edits here and there and I'm hoping to invest in a, a dual like a camera that's both for photos and videos do that again so the the production we're, we're trying to up the production value on those because at the end of the day it's just really fun to me and it's you know just another way to express myself creatively yeah absolutely and i i want to talk a little bit more about your career you know obviously first year on the beat um you know first first year with you know big league team day in and day out you know away from home 
what is one of the top things that that you kind of learned from your your first year in Pittsburgh? Ah, oh, damn! I should have brought my journal. <laughs> <laughs> I should have my journal's in my backpack right there. I should have I should have gave that thing a couple of reads before. <laughs> Pick from the buffet. Um, yeah. That is a, that is a big question, man. Um, what did I like learn about myself? This is like this is like existentialism one hundred and one. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I think, well, I think the, one of the biggest things that like pops out to me of, of this year, I'm gonna go like less the philosophical route is, you know, this is my first time obviously being on the other, this is before I even took this job, I had never been to Pittsburgh. And so this is my first time being, or like living on the East coast. This is my first time living really outside my house, aside from when I spent my freshman year at Berkeley on, at the dorms. And so there was very much that element of like learning, you know, how to run a household, how to maintain a household. And I know that's like, this is probably not the answer people were expecting. It's like, really, bro, you got to tell me how to you do dishes. You got to load a dishwasher. But that's like, this is, again, I'm like, I'm 24 years old, man. So I'm, I'm like learning how to, you know, what goes into it, like things like that, like how, you know, dishes can really pile up really quickly. How if you don't sweep, like at least once a week, like things can pile up really quickly. So like that aspect of like learning how to be an adult in all those various ways. And I, I don't want to undermine that because that's a, you know, that's something I wasn't accustomed to. Uh, not to say like, I would, you know, wouldn't do chores at home. It's just like a lot different mm -hmm. when I'm like living by myself. Um, I do want to give you an answer though, in terms of the job. I guess what about the travel too? Cause I know, you know, you, you've been hitting that all these a, big league cities and you're getting to see all these big league ballparks. I mean, the travel I'm sure is, was something completely different and the constant moving around. I didn't even realize it until the season ended, but I was talking to one of my best friends and like, I think it was one, um, it may have been, I thought about this on my flight back to California, but I was like, I went to pretty, like, I went to, like over the course of the season, I went to Los Angeles. I went to New York. I was in Miami. I was in Philadelphia, obviously back home in San Francisco when they had their series there. And I was like, gee, like I have gone to more. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I've been on more flights this year. I, my math might be a little off, but I feel like I've been on more flights this year than the entirety of my life preceding this year put together. Like if it's off, it's not off by a lot. Like it was a lot of flying. It was racking up the Southwest points. I, I will say this. I love my job. I have no intention of quitting anytime soon, but I will say every time I had to wake up at 3 a.m. for like a 5 a.m. flight or like a 6 a.m. flight, like in those first like 20 seconds of me waking up, I'm like, I could just quit right here. And like, <laughs> I would not have to, <laughs> to board this flight. Like it, it, it very much, I know that comes off as like kind of first world problems, but like it is, there is an element of, um, there's like a stamina that you have to build up when it comes to the job. Like it's one thing to, you know, write about baseball a couple of times a week. It's another to, you know, be at the ballpark seven, eight, nine, ten 10 days in a row. And so learning what goes into that, learning how to manage off days. What do I do over the course of an off day? Do I go to see the minor league affiliate or do I just disconnect entirely? You know, how much do I read? What am I kind of doing in terms of like maintaining my mental health, my physical health, kind of just all those things that goes into, you know, I feel like those things could apply to like a new job in general, but especially in the realm of baseball, where it is, it's so much, it's so constant. And you know, those were the things, especially when it comes to the mental and physical health, those were the things that I had to learn. And 
not and learn what worked for me too because what works for me might not work for somebody else and so just kind of learning a lot more about myself and you know over the course of all the travel too, just a lot of reflection um kind of within the realm of the job too but in terms of me just trying to grow as a human being as well and so that's been a fun aspect and that, that kind of comes that's where the journal kind of comes into play but I would say over the course like it, if I was to have a conversation with the the February version of myself I think the February version of myself would come away like dang like what did you what were you going through like it sounds like you had a, a whirlwind of an experience yeah, take off that shirt you know <laughs> take off the uh, Hawaiian shirt no uh actually <laughs> I have in my notes right here that uh ask him uh if he ever questioned his profession choice <laughs> so you kind of you kind of talked about that a little bit I, i'll be like, i'll be in the middle of like 12 straight days and i'm like oh man i'm grinding right now i'm grinding you should have done like finance for like taxes and stuff <laughs> um you, i mean you've covered other other sports too but why is like baseball different like what what stands out like i know if you covered the nfl you'd be maybe there a few times a week but like your big you know, money-making day is obviously Sunday or Thursday night or, you know, Monday night, whatever it may be. But baseball's every single day. You know, basketball, there's stops in between. But why is baseball so different from, I guess, your professional coverage compared to the other sports? I think you just hit on it right there, that it's just every day. And, you know, you're seeing the the players for the most part every day. You're seeing the coaching staff for the most part every day. You're seeing you know, people on, that are on your beat for the most part every day, like in a really weird way, especially in the realm of baseball, like the people that are on your beat kind of become an extended family just because I'm seeing them a lot more than I see my family. Yeah. And so that's the element of it where it's just, it's continuous, it's constant, even on, even on days where I'm not working a series, you know, I know that there's a game happening. And so that kind of goes back to the element of, you know, learning how to pace yourself, knowing what works in terms of one, knowing like how much you can handle, knowing when it's right to, to rear off. Cause you know, going back to the post-game videos, as much as I like doing those, like there would be times over the course of the season when I'd have to, you know, take that step back and say, should I record this video right now? Or should I just eat whatever I got in my fridge, go to sleep and then do it tomorrow? Or should I take like off a series of doing them? And that's kind of the balance that you learn as you're trying to navigate over the course of a season, just the element of what works for you, what doesn't. Whereas, you know, when I covered San Jose State football, for example, and obviously this is in the midst of the pandemic, it's very different. We didn't have field access, but, you know, the big days were Saturdays and everything that we did over the course of the week was leading up to that Saturday, having a couple, you know, pieces, kind of enterprise pieces over the course of the week. Same thing with basketball where you'd have the games on, I think it's like Saturday and Thursday, Saturday and Wednesday. And so you kind of be like the, the work leading up to those games and then you have the games, but you would have that gap in between. And when I covered college basketball, I was obviously a student too. So that's a, that's a whole different game in and of itself. But yeah, the thing with baseball, it is, it is just a constant grind and these days can just like stack up on you and you'll take a look at the calendar and be like, it is July 7th how and there's also a really funny article by jesse doherty of the washington post um that baseball players don't know what day it is and i can say the same thing for beat reporters the only <laughs> the only time i know what day it is is when a series starts and when a series ends because a series is probably starting on a monday and it's probably ending on like a wednesday or a sunday and if it ends on any other days my whole equilibrium is yeah. thrown out of the equation i don't know what day it is <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like did, did Brian Reynolds had two home runs. Was that like Tuesday or Wednesday? I can't, you know, since I feel like stuff like that would happen. Was that last week or a month ago? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and you fast, I mean, you fascinate me so much. Just your style. I mean, having shared like a, a press box with you a few times, I know that you're not one to show up like in a polo and like khakis, you know, you, you, you have big time style. You have big time vibes. I mean, you're 24 don't, years don't old. Don't let my best friend hear that. Don't let him hear that. <laughs> He's going to be like his style trash, you know, his jeans <laughs> trash hoodie trash. No, it's style. It's pure style. I mean, you bring, I mean, the energy to the personality. I mean, you know, do you take pride in kind of differentiating yourself from like the traditional narrative of what a sports writer should be and kind of like what, the sports writer has been over the past like what 50 years of you know what they've done it's it's you know it's all i feel like it's all the same same type of style same type of style and then justice comes along and you're not the only one there's a lot of young writers that do this too and it's so different it's like a breath of like fresh air do you do you take pride in kind of you know being that game changer i guess I wouldn't say game changer. I would, yeah. I, I, that's a weird <laughs> word. I mean, that's a lot of pressure on you, but that's a lot of pressure on me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say I do. I think I, and I think the thing to acknowledge within that is, you know, traditionally speaking, you know, I look when I'm in most press boxes, I look to my left, I look to my right, and I don't really see people that kind of look like me or have the same background as me or say have the same kind of history as me. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm half Filipino, half Irish, and I take a lot of pride specifically in being Filipino. There's not a lot of um, Asian American ball writers. There are a couple. I don't want to like, I'm not, I don't want to shout them out because I know I'm going to forget somebody because I'm on the spot, but there are like a lot of, there's a good amount of Asian American representation among beat reporters right now. So if you listen to this, shout out to y'all. Y'all know who y'all are, but you know, it's that element of, you know, being one of the few Filipinos in kind of the sports in the realm of sports and also being you know people don't have like last names like mine people don't got like first names like mine people don't look like me um and I guess you kind of mentioned that people don't maybe dress like me as much although you know sometimes I, I see a couple of people they try to one-up me and I gotta let them know that hey <laughs> you got it for a day I got it for the season let's get it right <laughs> but I I do try to you know especially I, I try not to hide you know, it, it can be daunting at times, but I try not to hide it from, you know, having pride in who I am in terms of my identity, especially being, you know, an Asian American studies major as well. And kind of, you know, it, it can be, a, there can be times when it can be a little daunting, but, you know, I'm never one to shy away from who I am. I'm never one to, to downplay who I am. Like I am, I am me and I can only be me. And if someone has a problem with that, that's kind of more on them than it is on me. And so, and I kind of, you know, I understand the kind of the role to that, that I, I know I'm only 24 years old and I'm trying to, I'm about to talk like I'm a, like, I've been in this industry for a long while, but if someone, you know, maybe let, let's just say like a couple of years from now, when I'm like 30, I'm a little more established. I don't look, I don't got the baby face as much, but you know, if someone's coming up in the industry and they say like, hey, he's doing it how he wants to do it. He's not compromising his identity to do it. That's kind of a win for me. And so I think it's also important to unabashedly have that pride in who I am and continue to unabashedly have that pride in who I am and, you know, not hide that element of me, but rather make it part of, you know, how I go about my business. 
Yeah, absolutely. So a, f- a few more minutes here before we wrap up. But, you know, I do want to say, because you know, we've talked about this before, but I remember you from your blog, you know, the Tales uh, from Section 307. I mean, Still classic. Up. Yeah, Still up there. Your, your Twitter profile picture was you in front of the, uh, I think it was, you're on your computer at the game and it's an iconic picture. I was up I, in 307. That's where I was. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And and also around the Foghorn, which is still going strong today. A shout out to Jeff Young, who's running that site. Um, I mean, what would you tell like a young writer who maybe is looking to get into sports journalism, who maybe is thinking about starting their own blog or you know, joining a, a fan blog or whatnot, or or trying to get their, their, you know, trying to get a step into the door that way. I'm going to relay you a bit of advice that was given to me from someone that's real, that's way smarter than me. Um, read a lot and write a lot. And, you know, we can kind of get into the, the details from there, but that's honestly just a really good foundation for, you know, anyone that's trying to get into this because, you know, writing like any other skill that's just the compilation of a lot of reps like if you look at a baseball play, if like if we go back to cruise like you know if we talk about defense what do you do you do a lot of infield drills you want to talk about like with basketball with a shooter you got to get in the gym you got to get your shots up if you're a runner and you want to get faster you got to get your miles in and it's kind of the same thing where you know i don't like whether or not you fall on like the ten thousand hours thing or whatever but there is gonna you are gonna have to kind of put in it's so simple but it's like it kind of rings true where you're gonna have to put in that work and you know the more you write and you don't even have to like be consciously trying to you know every single piece has got to be better than the last but the more you write you subconsciously the more you read to you subconsciously like start trying stuff different to the point where if you were to write every day over the course of a full year whether that's like an article whether that's a journal you read that first century you read that last century it's going to be like drastically different as to what you were producing. And, you know, that's the biggest thing for me is I look, I try to look at where I'm at at the end of a year. And I try to look back to where I was in the beginning of a year and even two years back and even three years back. And, you know, if I look back to something that I maybe wrote when I was covering San Jose state, I might look at it and be like, what was I on back then? (laughs) But that's a good, that's a good feeling to have though, because you know, you know that you can feel in your heart of hearts that you're raising the bar for yourself. And to the thing of reading, it's not just, you know, consuming, it's finding those, finding the writers that you enjoy reading and figuring out what they do so well that you like about their style. And, you know, there, again, I could name off just so many different writers that I enjoy reading and the, you know, the writers where it's like when they publish something like that's a day where I stop what I'm doing, but you kind of, you know, you, you absorb all of what they're doing. You do it enough. And, you know, without even consciously thinking about it, you're going to take a step forward. Um, another book I would, a book I would recommend, it's really short and you can read it in like an hour and a half, but it's really impactful for me is still like an artist. Um, you could knock it out in like an hour, hour and a half. And it dives into like topics about artistry and kind of the idea of, you know, having a variety of influences, kind of having a family tree of influences, so to say. And, you know, when you take from this writer and you take from that writer and you take from that writer, you're not copying, you're just creating something that's all your own. And I think there's even some quote that's included in there that's like, there's nothing like, I think it's from like the Bible and it's like, there's nothing new under the sun. And so like freeing yourself from like the, the burden of like having to do the most creative thing possible, because what, 
what you've written has probably been written like a thousand times over and things of that nature. But to kind of get back down to it is just, if you read a lot, you write a lot, you are gradually going to improve. And, you know, there's a lot of things that you can go from there, but at, at its foundation, if you do those two things and you, you know, continue to do it consistently, it's very hard to imagine someone not improving. There you go. That's art right there. Art from Justice Dilo Santos. Uh, real quick, before we wrap, <laughs> we, we have to end it on this. I got to end it on the donuts because you're known to bring donuts into a big league press oh, box. <laughs> and I think it I think it raises the mood in there. OK, I, I know a lot of media people are just so kind of ingrained in their work and it's great. It's great. It's a you know cool atmosphere. Uh, but a lot of them just don't have like time to smile and laugh or, you know, all that. Why is spreading kindness for you, like in a very competitive work environment? Like, why is that important to kind of maybe maybe make their day by bringing donuts into the press box? Because I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's funny. I was I had just finished reading. Um, I'm actually more equipped to answer this one. I had just finished reading um, All About Love by Bell Hooks, which completely different from the realm of sports. But side note, if you have the opportunity, read that book. But, you know, there's a quote that stands out in there and it talks about the idea of generosity and it's like knowing you know you know we can come out of something like knowing we have given the feeling that we have given in like the like the community that it creates and this is a book that like dives into like a lot of different subjects but for me like especially last year like I because this is a tradition that I started last year when I didn't even have this full-time gig it's it's like you kind of you very quickly understand you come to the realization that like coming into a day game after a night game, you know, people are generally exhausted. People are generally tired, not getting a lot of sleep, probably didn't have that much to eat that morning. Getaway day. And, yeah. And it's just getaway days too. And for me, it's just all about that element of, you know, this is going to get like really philosophical, I guess. <laughs> but for me, it's all, it's all about that element of, you know, viewing it, you know, taking that step outside the self, um, looking at things through the lens bigger than the individual and, you know, thinking about things in terms of community and things about like, how can you, you know, spread that love to other people. And, you know, just that's kind of the reputation that I earned last year. And just doing that, like a lot of people, once I got this job, they kind of just knew who I was because of that I did last year. And for me, it's, it's just an opportunity to literally and figuratively break bread to, you know, talk with people for like five minutes a day, you know, see what type of donuts you do like, see what type of donuts you do, you don't like. And just that opportunity, to, it's, it's actually, it's the opportunity to, to nourish someone. It's not the, the healthiest thing in the world, but at its core, you're, you're also nourishing someone. There's something you want need to know about Filipinos is uh, a Filipino is going to make sure you fed. So <laughs> it's just that element of, you know, removing like the self from the equation and thinking about things in terms of like a, a broader community. And, you know, there's also that idea of that when we give, it's as important as when we receive. And so that's just the element of, you know, trying to create that community, trying to make someone's day, even as you mentioned in a hyper-competitive environment, because, you know, while we might be competing at each other at the end of the day, we're all human beings and, you know, you got to lift up your fellow human beings, even if you're kind of in the trenches going against them. And also, I just love donuts. So any opportunity for me to bring donuts to the ballpark, I will not uh, miss out on that opportunity. <laughs> Hear that, Pirates fans? Justice is going to be bringing donuts every... No, just uh, I love putting <laughs> words in your mouth. No, just kidding. Uh, Justice, man, I appreciate you coming on. I mean, this was 
a lot of fun and i think uh, a lot of uh people are gonna enjoy this episode so thanks for coming on man appreciate it appreciate you having me man and of course if you guys want to be so bold and follow justice on twitter uh his at is at do you or do you want to plug it because my stupid twitter oh here it is at just de la santa so that's j-u-s-t-d-e-l-o-s-s-a-n-t-o-s so go follow that go check his tweets out go check his post game videos couldn't follow, they couldn't fit my whole last name <laughs> well they got it some name of it was too long hey and tell uh tell mlb.com to start making author pages that will make everything so much easier they need to do that please <laughs> I'll see what I could do. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. And of course, you guys could follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you find your podcasts, all that fun stuff. And see you next time.